Welcome to the Texas Law Dog Podcast, where we will get you off, literally and legally. Your weekly true crime podcast from the criminal defense lawyer's perspective. Join the Texas Law Dog and co-host Akash as they venture into the nitty-gritty of the criminal justice system and explore how there may be practicable solutions to cleaning it up. Any and all content produced should not be construed as formal legal advice, used for educational, marketing, and solicitation purposes only. Some information may be factual. All guests have agreed to use their real names and likenesses. All views and opinions expressed by the Texas Law Dog reflect the opinions of Texas Law Dog LLC only and should not be construed as formal or informal legal advice by a practicing attorney. The Texas Law Dog will not get you off, literally or legally, despite what he may claim. Episode 15. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen and aliens that are about to arrive. Today's episode, we are joined by Jason Bassler, the co-founder of the Free Thought Project. He joined me for about an hour and we discussed everything from policing accountability to this entire situation that we've all found ourselves in as a society. And I think that it's a very good, short, insightful interview that most people can draw their own conclusions on as to what we spoke about. And then right after the interview, I spend about 10 minutes uh, contemplating some thoughts for all of you about how you can maybe see this thing in a new light. Enjoy. All right, guys, we are joined by the co-founder of the Free Thought Project. His name is Jason Bassler. And uh, welcome to the show, Jason. How are you doing today? Doing well, my friend. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much for joining us, man. If you could, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So um, my name is Jason Bassler. I am the co-founder of the Free Thought Project and founder of Police the Police. Uh, back in around 2011, uh, during the Occupy Wall Street movement, I kind of realized that I was clueless when it came to politics. So I went on a long journey. I uh, you know, picked up an iPad and just went down the rabbit hole, started doing as much information uh, research um, as, as I could really just uh, soaking it up like a sponge. And uh, during that time, I also saw a lot of heavy handed police brutality during the Occupy Wall Street protests. And it kind of uh, raised a red flag. I, it didn't sit right with me. And I realized at that point, I really needed to get involved. Um, so uh, about a year later, uh, I created Police the Police in 2012, and uh, we had a lot of success right off the bat. We were partnering up with a couple other police accountability organizations uh, like Filming Cops um, and Cop Lock, which kind of helped uh, stimulate the whole thing and, and get it going. But um, about a year after that, I found uh, my now business partner and editor-in-chief, Matt Agrist, uh, and we created the Free Thought Project, which focuses a little bit more on government accountability rather than just the police accountability side of things. And uh, it's been a long journey since then. Uh, in 2018, we actually uh, were censored, heavily censored. We had, as I had mentioned, a lot of success. We had built up um, our pages to millions of fans. Uh, the, police, the police page was at 1.9 million fans and the Free Thought Project was at 3.1 million fans. In October of 2018, Facebook and Twitter decided that they wanted to remove those pages and accounts on the same day. So we lost nearly 6 million fans and it's been kind of a rebuilding process ever since then. But, what, uh, what did they remove you for? 
Well, they used uh, three different excuses. They said um, first was spam. Uh, the second was fake accounts. And the third was inauthentic coordinated behavior. So as you can inauthentic imagine. Inauthentic coordinated behavior. <laughs> Yeah, those are they're kind of arbitrary uh, terms, you know. They they're applied selectively uh, as their terms of service and you know um, community standards are selectively enforced as well. So, uh, as far yeah, as I'm so concerned, that's that's terrible, man. I mean, you had three million followers. That's it takes a lot of time to build up a following on on these platforms, and I think that people don't realize that you know all these people that are getting canceled or censored or whatever uh left and right for having an opinion that big tech corporations don't agree with i mean that's something that people are just kind of starting to see unfortunately but it's been happening for years absolutely yeah it started i would say probably in around 2015 2016 but there was a lot of momentum before that and ironically you know police the police was around before black lives matter um so you know Facebook had no problems removing our police accountability information, our perspectives, which I would admit are more from like a libertarian perspective. Um, but, you know, of course, a, a few years later, they have no problems virtue signaling and jumping on <laughs> well, board. If your with agenda the, doesn't fall in line, I think that uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's way easier to get outcast, you know, by these corporations. It's, it's pretty nuts then that I guess it would be a good starting point to well, number one, what did you specifically see as far as police brutality, you know, that inspired you to, to speak up and put your neck out there and do this? You know, it's funny, whenever people want to try to slander us, you know, the trolls, they always, the first uh, objection is that it's probably, I'm probably somebody who's been wronged by the police or has been, uh, you know, had some negative experience. And that's actually not it at all. Um, I literally saw for about a week, police manhandling, uh, brutalizing uh, elderly people during these protests. I saw them, you know, brutalizing young people. It, it just didn't during see- Occupy Wall Street, right? Yeah, correct. And, you know, so, since then, there's been so yeah, much worse. I mean, so I remember back to well, <laughs> Occupy, right? I mean, right. It's, it's just that was in the OG days. But back in the I remember in in because uh, I had just graduated college, I was actually heading to law school before I started this comedy career. But I, uh, I basically realized that when the Occupy Wall Street movement started, it was a really good movement initially. And then it appeared that the groups got like segregated and radicalized with identity politics issues and stuff that kind of just destroyed the movement's original intent. Do you think that that's something that might have played into why it fizzled away and why we moved into this sort of identity politics sort of social media game? Yeah, I think you're spot on with that analysis. Um, anytime there's an organic social movement, uh, the establishment finds a way to co-opt it, or at least attach their name to it. You know, we saw. What do the you same mean thing. by the establishment? Um, you know, the 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 status quo. I would say um, whoever's in conjunction with colluding within government, these government officials that are following CDC guidelines that are advocated for by corporations that sponsor them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. We actually uh, just covered a story earlier today. Um, Congressman Thomas Massey uh, exposed the factchecker.org as being um, fraudulent in the sense that they're funded by um, a few uh, interests that, let's just say, have other uh, you know, financial um, incentives. incentives. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a bit complicated, but um, 
you know, always follow the money. Whenever you, you start to follow the money with these, you know, quote fact checkers, you'll realize. Oh yeah, man. That's what I tell my listeners is if you follow the money, you can generally find out what's going on, but most people are just too lazy (laughs) because they're trying to make too much of it, you know? Right. Absolutely. Those are the people that, that are willing to dig. Those are the people that tend to uh, have more engagement on social media, larger follower accounts. You know, it's really that digging. That's the important part. Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, that's a good point because I think that for most people, they probably haven't had a negative interaction with the police and like for the majority of society and they only see what they see or read, you know, on either their news feeds or the news. And, um, that the, the majority of people don't really understand how policing works in general. I mean, have you studied, you know, why we have created the system for ourselves at all? Yeah, I know some of the history um, about it. I've, uh, I've read The Rise of the Warrior Cop by Radley Balco, and that certainly, um, you know, goes all the way back to the slave catcher days and um, to... Uh, oh I yeah. That- I mean, like, wasn't the original like purpose of, uh, police to capture, uh, runaway slaves. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was explained in the book. I think it was a little more formalized, um, in, in Britain in the 1850s or so. Um, that's when there was actual. Yeah. So if that, if that and- were to be the case, it already set up this divide, you know, uh, however many hundred, 200 years ago and between, I'd say middle-class and poor economic spectrum whites versus blacks on this specific policing issue. Uh, Have you seen that at all? Uh, Sure. Well, you know, I would say that I think that the biggest disconnect and the biggest problem is it's just the fact that there's no actual contract for these services by law enforcement. You know, it's Mm. um, you know, if we want to get into the quote social contract, but as far as I'm concerned, that's uh, that's nonsense, and um, I, I believe that's probably one of the biggest problems is that law enforcement is a claimed monopoly. Uh, they have a claimed legal use of force, and by default, because there is no other providers for these services, um, you know they could pretty much commit any injustice that they want, and there's going to be very little recourse. It's a lot of legal immunity, you know, and. Uh... And that's something that if you're a criminal defense attorney, you have struggled with your entire career, I'd, I'd imagine, because it's it's they have a different set of rules, unfortunately, than we have for ourselves. And I on my last podcast, I had my guest on and her father was a police officer for 25 years, but he was of trained in the old school days to community police wherein you go and establish relationships with people in the community they know that you're a police officer that way that they feel comfortable calling you whenever there's something that goes wrong they don't automatically assume distrust um, because they're pulling you over for nothing right and that's kind of what we've gone into i think is the latter sure it's become more of a a revenue generation uh operation Um, and yeah, there is a disconnect with the community. Uh, oftentimes officers aren't necessarily from the same communities that they quote serve in. Um, while I appreciate that, that approach, you know, having more of a, a community-based, um, relationship with the people that you, you, you know, uh, claim to serve, I still feel like there's a, a problem there because anytime a, a service or a product is um, funded by extracted tax tax dollars involuntarily, (laughs) there's going to be zero incentive 
uh, for any type of effectiveness, for any type of efficiency, any accountability or any reason to ever improve. Sure. And I think that's why we just keep spinning the wheel, um, expecting like, well, nothing really ever gets done. Honestly, we just talk about getting things done <laughs> for the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the George Floyd protests certainly, um, you know, created a stir and a lot of late excuse me, a lot of legislators were bending over backwards to uh, create some type of legislation to uh, quell a lot of the unrest. But well, yeah, unfortunately, the they though, were just is that, watered is down. That if we abandon the police um, or, or excuse me, defund it completely, what do we replace it with? Sure. Yeah. So there there's um, an issue there. A lot of people who and, and just like yourself, you know, I think we've never really been taught that there are alternatives to what we currently see right now as law enforcement. And uh, just like anything else in the marketplace, you know, if there's a demand for it, there's going to be services and providers and entities, firms that come up and try to fill that that hole. Um, so that's actually what my biggest focus is right now and has been for the past few years. You know, we could literally go back 100 years. I mean, you could, you and your listeners could jump on Google Images right now and, and type in police brutality protests from 1920s. So, and there's pictures, you know, so we've been protesting police reform now, asking for police reform for about 100 years. And uh, it, it's, you know, it's not improving. It's nothing's changing. It's only getting worse, uh, according to the statistics. So, as far as I'm concerned, yes, you're right. Defunding, although there is some validity validity to that, you know, if if the U.S. police was their own country, they'd have the third highest military mm -hmm. budget in the world. But wait, wait, I've, say that again. If the U.S. police were their own country, they'd have the third highest military budget in the world. I don't it's, think there's got a lot of crime, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. One yeah, that they were dictates also... the militarization of the entirety of the operation. You know, it's, it's pretty asinine in my opinion. It's crazy that, 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 sure. that number is what it is. Well, they were shifting a lot of the COVID relief funds to local police departments. There's at least three cities that did that. And, and not just a few million dollars. I mean, uh, in Chicago, it was like $220 million that got um, reallocated. So this, I mean, if I follow the money, like, unfortunately, I think, it most people will come to the conclusion that local government is a massive money laundering operation, just kind of like the federal government. But it's simply to keep the propensity that there isn't anything really aloof going on. You know, the police are a central sure. part of that. Right. Because yeah. if people didn't have the threat of going to jail um, or, you know, there were consequences for their actions that were, quote unquote, illegal, then, you know, I don't know, it would probably be chaos. I could see if they defunded the police, rich people just hiring their own militias to protect them. Well, actually, that's kind of what I was getting at. And I'm not a huge proponent of the idea of defunding, although, as I just mentioned, it, it's, it, you know, there's validity there, but I'm more of a decentralized the police kind of guy. I Ooh, actually, so what does that look like? So that means communities voluntarily fund firms that they believe are going to act appropriately, act lawfully, act within accordance to uh, whatever standards that they decide to come up with. And by doing so, by voluntarily funding, they actually have more leverage over these firms because if they're doing, if these firms are doing something that they find undesirable, then the community could simply pull their funding. And let's be clear here, this is going to look a lot different from current law enforcement. There's not going to be, you know, these private 
entities shaking down people, you know, stopping them from traffic stops, asking where they're going, harassing them, questioning them. It's going to look a lot different. These, these companies are actually going to have incentive to try to provide some type of quality for their community or else they're going to be fired. So, so we're going to, to pri- like, so if you privatize police, essentially you can make it accountable. Absolutely. I mean, just like anything else in the market, you know, if there's actually consequences, unlike there is now for law enforcement, then um, yeah, that these people, and we actually have a shining example, uh, Mr. Dale Brown in Detroit, he's ran the threat management center now for, geez, I think it's about 20 years, 20 plus years, never had any um, injuries. Nobody's ever died on his watch. That includes his clients and his employees. And this guy actually focuses on uh, how to de-escalate, how to um, create the most non-violent situations possible. So it's yeah, a huge because departure. I mean, I'll, that's great. Honestly, we need that because I, you know, when you if a criminal defense attorney has a client that, you know, most of them are getting busted on traffic stops, especially in any sort of low-level drug stuff, right? So you you you're speeding or your uh your tail lights out or something like the Texas Transportation Code has about five million different ways they can pull you over if they want to, and I think if and they use that to then try and get more. So these officers are trained in order to look for crimes that aren't otherwise there. And that if that were to change how they're trained, I mean, obviously I've done an episode where I cover in Texas that officers are required less initial training than our beauticians. So maybe that's something we need to start looking into. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. In 2000, the U.S. court said it was actually okay for police to hire someone who is too smart. So, uh, yeah. Oh, so, so they give IQ tests to weed out all the smarties. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they, they want order followers and they want these people who are going to obey. And, uh, yeah, know, that makes sense. I mean, you have to have people that are going to follow the rules. So I guess if the, if that makes sense, if they're going to try and, you know, or they'll just give us RoboCop, it's going to be one of the, other. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But, but you're right. And I think that's uh, a lot of what people are fed up with right now is these victimless infractions that police will oftentimes escalate into some type of physical force and, you know, heaven forbid a, a lethal force where somebody dies. So if, you know, you're pulled over for something as arbitrary as a, um, let's say a, t- a tail light being broken, if you decide that you're not going to comply and if you're just going to go ahead and keep driving down the road, well, guess what? The state felony claims, evading arrest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The state claims the right to, you know, initiate force, do a pit maneuver, whatever they have to do to get you to stop. And then if you just, you know, choose to defend yourself and they claim the right to use lethal force and uh, kill you. So, so look at Dante, right? Right. This happened a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. And the, yeah. uh, a 26 year veteran of the police force pulls out the wrong service weapon. I mean, on a, on a warrant that was mistakenly issued by the way. Right. Because yeah, of the, it was sent to the wrong address. The notice of hearing to his next court date was sent to the wrong address. I, I can't believe that the, he lost his life over that. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to me. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah, this, this is exactly the problem is that they always know how to spin uh, any type of excuse with their legalese. There, there's always some type of, um, you know, legal way of explaining uh, and justifying what they've done. And you know, when the state is the final arbiter of all cases of conflict, 
including conflicts in involving its own actors, there's zero incentive to be fair, rational, or, or just, you know? And that's why when um, Derek Chauvin was actually convicted, he was only the eighth officer to be convicted of on-duty murder since 2005. So it just goes to show how rare it actually is that police are held accountable in this country. And yeah, and I'm sure, I wonder how many people that police have killed in the last, you know, I wasn't there some statistic that uh, I, I saw on your page that um, how many officers killed people while the Chauvin trial was going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it was 64. 64 people actually died during the George Floyd trial. So um, from being shot by the police. Yes, yes. And I'm not going to say all those were unjustified, of course. Sure, um, sure. But they died either way. They were shot. They were killed by police no matter what. Yes, sir. And uh, yeah, there, there's great websites like Mapping Police Violence, um, which you could go to and it will actually break down all the stats for you if they're unarmed, um, you know, all of it. If it was a violent conflict, um, there's different little checks. So that's interesting because I think data is going to be our key. Well, absolutely not the data itself. People don't know how to read data. Obviously, look around us. Um, but if you you know, if you were to be able to get these statistics in a digestible way for the normal individual who doesn't really have time to deep dive into this issue, but they otherwise want to be aware of it, how can we go about sort of shifting the narrative? Well, I'm a big believer in the power of memes. <laughs> and uh, meme warfare, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think as you alluded to a, a lot of times that digging for these stats is kind of uh, the difficult part. A lot of times people don't have the time. They don't know where to, to find that source information. So if we could break it down in more layman's terms for the average person and put it on a meme, uh, I think oftentimes that's more efficient and more effective than actually uh, putting out an article about these topics. And I hate to say that I really do. But, uh, you know, we do that as well. We put out three to four articles every day. Uh, generally, two of them every day are, are police accountability, police brutality stories. But a lot of times people just don't read and they don't have the time to read. And if they, they do, they won't look at, um, you know, an alt media site like ours as being some kind of uh, legitimate source of factual information. So, um, yeah, know, and that's what I'm finding about, is that like people want to be told that the mainstream media is wrong using mainstream media sources. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, they've, they've uh, really put a spin on things because that that's only changed probably within the past three or four years. I think it's, now. it changed when Trump came and yeah, yeah. Uh, he changed the rules for all of what's going on now. I think that, yeah. I think that whatever you want to think about him personally, like, I don't think that he's on our side, but I think that he did, if he did anything, at least alert the people to the fact that the media might not be on their side. Sure. Well, yeah, that and he rolled out the the fake news mantra, which was kind of damaging. For well, us. yeah, he went he went too far. The other like he like the Q thing, the psyop, like it's just it, it made too right. much of a con man's jingle to me for it to like be real, you know, and that sure. it was like when you have things like uh, fake news and, and, and you start using buzzwords and everyone just starts insulting each other. We've lost all sense of modernism in this country. We've lost all sense of empathy. We've lost all sense of 
where to direct our attention. I think like, I think that this is a war for people's minds because it's about your attention span now. Yep. Yeah. I would say we've also lost intellectual integrity. It's very, very rare. I could actually have a conversation with somebody online and we make any headway without there being fallacies or insults involved. Um, so, you Oh know, yeah. Think- you see straw man or, or just attacking people's character, you know, or just like, it, there's no, you know, there's no real discourse anymore. It's just memes. Which, yeah, like I said, memes aren't necessarily a bad thing, but when you make it your political identity to uh, take one side of the aisle and you reject all information contrary to that side of the aisle, then that's where the problem is, I think. You know? Yeah, and I think that this, it, it, like the traditional definition of a liberal is not even a liberal anymore. There's like wokists. Right. And sure. then there's like the traditional liberal would should be offended by this, um, by all of this. And, uh, but it's turned into Trump bad. Anything that has to do with him is bad. And then that just sort of got swept into a pandemic response, which is crazy to me, but it's not because it's 2021 and we're all the smartest people in the world on our, you know, black mirrors that we've got attached to our hands (laughs) (laughs) yeah you made a great point you know it's it's funny how the left has um completely ignored some of these things that biden have has continued and actually amplified you know the uh, military um 1033 uh the dod program that was transferring military equipment to local police departments that's actually escalated under biden over the past uh six months or so and uh, of course, it was ramping up in the last couple months of Trump's um, candidacy, but, or excuse me, presidency. But um, and then the other one is Biden's also still working on the wall. In fact, he just um, used <laughs> imminent domain to take away some private property so the, the wall can continue to be built. And uh, that was something that his uh, campaign had promised that they would they would halt and put it end to. And now that the time has come and gone, they've been. Oh man, I remember silent. a lot of promises like student loan forgiveness and uh, you know a ton of great stuff that I heard that sure. I haven't seen anything. Um, I think the only thing that made me give him a golf clap on a single thing he's done is free school lunches. But I'm sure that that's some sort of money laundering scheme as well. So sure, right. you know, it's like I want I want to trust that there are well-intentioned individuals at the top of our society that are looking out for us. But unfortunately, I mean, the way that I see it is there's the people that know about the fraud that's going on. And then there's people that just, you know, 99% of people aren't aware of it. Yeah, I would say, well, I would give a little more credit. I feel like the internet has done a great job of, um, facilitating that and, and being the catalyst to just like the printing press was, um, I would say probably more like 95 because we do have a, a small percentage on our side, but unfortunately I would say the masses are definitely normie simps who, um, have no problems, you know, eating the, the, uh, mainstream media narratives, the, the talking narratives. points. Yeah. Because like everyone that's still, you know, all of my, like I have the people in my life that, uh, went the way of being completely destroyed by Trump have remained that way. I found, um, in that they're, they're not over it. And so, and then once the pandemic hit, it just made them even more fearful so that they thought that the right guy was coming in. And now that the correct response is being done, they're realizing slowly that, um, 
probably a majority of the country isn't on their side. Yeah, well, I hope that's the case. Um, you know, and we've been saying that for a while now, you know, I, I remember saying that the left, you know, the anti-war movement would be reinvigorated once uh, Trump was elected, you know, in 2016, 2017. And unfortunately, that ne didn't necessarily happen. I think a big problem is that people can't envision what a free society would actually look like, a stateless society. And so by not doing that, that work without doing that research, they almost feel like they have to compromise with what we have and that, well, it just the way it is. And maybe if I vote for this guy, it will just be a fraction. That's what I hear better. from all of my friends, Jason, is look, I'm not powerful. I can't do anything. And that's what people need to realize is that self-empowerment has to make a comeback for anything to change. Yes, sir. Self-education, uh, you know, we another big part of it is just unlearning a lot of the untruths that we are taught and indoctrinated into from basically, uh, you know, the day Prussian, we were born. Prussian uh, Horace Mann education system that we're forced into, where sure. you're, just re you're taught to go to class, do your work and respect authority, do not question. And then you get into a job where you do the exact same thing. Yeah, schools are great at teaching conformity and uh, compliance memorization and that's basically it there's not uh no critical thinking skills no personal much finance per classes yeah. there's nothing like there's no financial literacy being taught at our public education system and if you think about it i mean nobody's going to give you an education on how to overthrow them right well so that's a great meme i saw it's like no one's going to sure. give you the information you need to overthrow them like it's true they're all in on it if that's the case <laughs> if there is some silver lining to this pandemic is that there's I would say a, a greater degree of people homeschooling their kids now and uh, not actually sending them to the public school. Yeah. We'll have a good generation of like good weirdos. <laughs> Hopefully, man. I don't know. Some of the social distancing isolation stuff. I mean, it's going to oh, be very my detrimental. God, man. To, this, the, to this, I just read a study that like masks are killing children's development. Yeah, you know, there's been so many lies that they've rolled out over, you know, these past uh, year and what, three months now. I mean, yeah, the MIT uh, study just came out as well that um, purportedly says that uh, the whole six feet social distancing thing, it doesn't matter if it's six feet or 60 feet. It's it's all bunk. It's all garbage. And considering that was actually, um, it, it stemmed from a 15 year old science fair project. It's not much of a surprise, right? <laughs> It's and about that's the factual. same you could, you could uh, scientific that. evaluation that our Pfizer executives probably give it. So Sure. Yeah. And our <laughs> overlord Fauci, of course. But. You know, and that's the thing is that when this all dropped, I lost my mind. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I saw it all kind of coming. Um, and the fact that uh, I used to work in a job that facilitated interaction with the public and um, that and then I was forced to become a comedian because I no longer am allowed to do that job. So I, uh, wow. it's been a rough year for me to, because most people, like I have a friend, right. That is very pro everything that the government and the Democrats have been stating will get us back to normal. And he keeps giving me the talking points, but once I, I mean, he started out where we were very angry at each other about a year ago, but I realized I've been friends with this person since I was like 14 years old. I wasn't going to let politics and a, and a, and a, you know, disagreement over how he responded to this pandemic ruined our friendship. So I stayed in touch with him and I've been continually talking with him because he is kind of my baseline on how the majority of people probably feel. And, 
it's been important because I think that if we just understood where both sides were coming from, then there can at least be uh, an ability to have a conversation. But the problem is, is that most people are not willing to even hear out the other side. You know, it's just gotten to the point where sure. you're just, your, 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 your snap reaction is to just dismiss that person. Yeah. And that goes uh, back to, you know, the whole intellectual integrity is, is dead. And um, I have a friend who's the same way, a uh, longtime friend since high school. And uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're on different ends of the spectrum. Uh, luckily, we're, we're been, we've been respectful to each other, but um, I'm right there with you. I kind of use his opinion, you know, anytime we talk, it's like, oh, okay. Like that's what the normies are saying. <laughs> like that's what the normies <laughs> are thinking right now. Well, and, I get uh, all of the same things that I read online. So I know that sure. that's the only thing that they're looking at and they're not actually doing any sort of due diligence to look into anomalies or abnormalities right. that aren't otherwise being covered. You know, that's, that's funny. I actually just made a tweet about that. You know, um, there's probably millions of sports fans in this country, you know, and oh, these people tens, are, tens of hundreds. I mean, like sports, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's huge. Right. And how many of these guys are stats and they, they know every stat to every player and every league, you know, but then they won't take the time to, to even go to theirs, you know, and, see how many adverse reactions to that. Oh, dude, my guy's response it. to the VARES thing was that doctors can literally report whatever they want to them. I'm like, so what incentive do they have to send them the like information? I mean, I've read accounts from nurses stating that there isn't anywhere on the death certificate to state that there was an adverse reaction to any vaccine or whatever. So that we may be significantly undercounting people who are otherwise dying of something that we're chalking up now to natural causes. Right. And so what, and those people are never, ever going to say that the vaccine caused them to die. So I think as long, and, and this is crazy to me that they're censoring Rogan about just talking about this kind of stuff or they're considering it. And like, it's, it's truly terrifying because you mentioned you've been canceled before and you're still pushing the line. And like, you know, it's, it's important for people who don't just want to accept everything to continually question things. And I mean, that's the purpose of being a human being that wants to strive for knowledge, I think, is that you should want to question the nature of your reality. And so many people just don't, unfortunately. Yeah, you're right about that. And uh, I think that's the first step to being a free thinker, you know, always question authority, always question uh, the official story. And somewhere along the lines, that has been phased out of the American psyche. You know, I, I, again, I would point back to the public school indoctrination centers. Most people view these authorities, you know, these quote experts as being infallible. And so whatever they say goes. I think it, it could be uh, explained further by the Milgram experiment. You know, if, if you're familiar with that one at I'm all. I'm not. What is that? Um, basically, they conducted a, a test, a study where they took um, individuals and it was a blind study in the sense that they had another participant who was in the back room and the person directing the study would take the individual and tell him to press a button. And when he pressed the button, the other participant in the, the back room would scream and the person would kind of look at the, the, the instructor and be like, are you sure, you know, the authority in the situation, are you sure I should be doing this? And they would tell him, yeah, go ahead, do it again. 
And even though people heard the scream and they knew it was wrong, they would continue doing it because an authority figure would tell them to do it. And that's a very crude uh, explanation. It's been a while since I touched on that one, but do yourself. A oh, no, I, I, and, uh, I now that you mentioned it, I, I, I do remember reading it. And I remember reading about how the people that they would ramp up the voltage and right. uh, that essentially <laughs> the people that heard the others, they couldn't see them, but they could only hear them screaming and that they knew that they were directly responsible for that. But the person telling them to do it continually didn't tell them they should stop. So it it goes to show that human beings, when pressed under authority, are going to act out of irrational fear most of the time. Correct. Yeah. And uh, that's why we say, you know, disobedience is a virtue. And there are times when disobedience, you know, we, we can't make the connection that anything lawful is actually moral. You know, that that's not correct. That's not Oh, right. yeah. And that's where we've gone wrong, man, because of the almighty dollar. And I think that we crave stuff over truth now as a sure. society. I think naturally people are looking for leaders, of course, you know, I think if you asked anyone though, any, any average person off on the street, you know, nine out of 10 would say, yes, they prefer leaders, but they don't want somebody to rule over them. And that's what we have now. We have rulers, you know, we don't necessarily have. Well, leaders. I think that it's not so much that it's that we have been, uh, we don't longer have the ability to make our own choices because it's not in the interest of, the greater good, which sounds very not like America to me. I agree. You know, I, I would say this isn't the same America that your parents grew up in. You know, it things. Oh God, no! They they changed. had it great, man. Like that was the thing is that they the eighties and the nineties I think were the best years because everyone was completely unaware of what was going on and that we were selling ourselves out forever and there was no point of return after that. But everyone was rich, so it didn't matter, and they were making money and like this this uh, perpetual house of cards called the fed is going to, you know, put us in a situation where uh, God forbid, I don't want to wake up one day and then we're all at zero, but I mean, I can see that happening. Yeah, no, you're, you're right about that. The, the federal reserve is uh, a huge problem. I mean, they, you know, we're what 28 trillion in debt now. <laughs> it's just Fugazi which, though. It's just, it's fake money, you know, it's crazy. It is, but it isn't in the terms that I'm paying for it. Oh taxes. yeah. No, you're paying for it. They aren't. My son <laughs> is going to be paying for it. His oh, your son, 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 son you know, it's going to be like intergenerational debt slavery that they're putting on the, uh, putting on us. And I, that's not something I take lightly, you know? Um, and yeah, hearkening back to, you know, our parents and our grandparents, unfortunately they, you know, they've dropped the ball. I hate to say it, but they allowed a lot of this to happen. They didn't stand up for our rights. They didn't speak out. And, you know, well, shit, they spent is... the entire 60s divided about whether or not they should go fight a war or give black people the same rights as them. I mean, let's like <laughs> they weren't very woke. <laughs> yeah, and that was the product of the times. There was no access to information. You only had the Sears catalog and the news, right? They, you had Cronkite to trust and that's it. Yes. Yes. There was gatekeepers and information. And that's why, uh, you know, earlier in the conversation, I had mentioned that, you know, in the age of information, ignorance is a choice and uh, the internet is here. There's no excuse for people to continue to be ignorant on these uh, topics unless they choose to be. 
Oh yeah, I mean, more people would probably prefer to to play Tune Blast than go look up what the government's doing to fuck them over. I mean, let's and, be real. Until it starts to affect them, and exactly, it, it and that's the thing is that it won't until it hits their checkbooks, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, in some ways, you know, the state has many forms. So I would say that the George Floyd protests, uh, in, you know, summer of last year were a great example uh, of that of, of the people finally waking up to a, a certain extent anyway. Um, and even though I'm not a huge fan of protests, I mean, I understand that visually they represent, um, you know, an idea or a sentiment, but at the same time, they haven't done much to accomplish anything, but I would say Well, that's that a testament to the UK. I mean, yeah, they, they, I didn't see a single mainstream article about, you know, how many thousands of people protested there last weekend. Right. Yeah. Not a yeah. single word from a mainstream news article. There were probably over 500,000 people out marching. Yep. Yeah. So I, unless the, had... uh, the cause is approved, it will not get any coverage anymore, which should show you like the people that it's only you're, protesting is great, but it has to be media sponsored or it's not even a protest. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, when we had our accounts and pages removed, we were a power player in the alt media scene in, in that community. And, uh, you know, we had a little bit of uh, recognition. You know, I did a, a, a interview with Rolling Stone and a couple other, um, I guess you could say independent media outlets. But for the most part, there was no coverage over the fact that Facebook and Twitter both removed our pages and accounts. To me, as far as I know, that was the first time that it happened where both big tech social media companies actually colluded to remove accounts literally hours apart from each other. There was already some uh, censorship before that with Alex Jones and a few other people, but there was never two social media companies colluding at the same time to take anybody down. I figured when it first happened that there was going to be some kind of media coverage about it. Naively, you know, I was, I was certainly wrong because why would they shine a light on something like that? They have no incentive to. That would be basically be shining a light on their competitors saying like, hey, look, there's this whole other world out there that you could venture into, but uh, you know, we want you to stay here. So we're And that's why I think they're going to have to bring the hammer down on the internet soon if they're going to want to have any of this go on um, because people are, I mean, uh, I'm seeing people that I never thought would question things start to, they, I mean, they'll text me and be like, hey, my employer said I had to get it. Now it's affecting their life. They have to, they have to pay attention. And that we're, we're, we're reaching that the turning point maybe in how long can the government and the media keep this up? You know, it's been 13 months and sure it's, and the, Biden just gave us permission to go to picnics. Uh, he, no one should tell him that people in Texas and Florida have been doing that since <laughs> last February. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're allowed to take your masks off outside now, guys. Um, well, hate to break it to you, Biden. We've been uh, <laughs> not following that bullshit for a while. And, Wait, you, you mean know, breathing air and getting vitamin D and like doing all the things they never told us to do, like taking zinc and like being healthy? Yeah, it's funny. You don't hear anything about washing your hands anymore. Remember how mm. much they were stressing that within the first month? And it's like, no, or, just... or no, we were Lysoling our groceries. And then the CDC right. came out and said, oh, wait, there's uh, less than 10,001 chance that you'll get COVID on a back, like a surface transmission. So right, right. 
it, yeah. they see like, and unfortunately the CDC is sponsored by Pfizer, Bill and Melinda Gates foundation, and the, like Disney and Coca-Cola. And no one understands that they're a 501 C three nonprofit and not like some health like doctors, you know, where it's just a bunch of guys and all they've ever done is research vaccines. And these are the guys we're listening to. Like, that's not what's happening. We're listening Jason, to snake oil salesmen. That's a perfect, perfect example of exactly what I was talking about earlier about decentralizing police. And that's exactly the problem with centralized institutions like the FDA or C CDC is that they have zero incentive to actually be fair or honest. It's more of a lobbying effort. You know, whoever's the highest bidder. And, uh, you know, that's the position that CDC will take. Unfortunately, when there's only one source of authoritative, you know, information like the CDC, it's going to be corrupted. That's why we need to decentralize and let the market prove who's going to be effective and prove who's actually trustworthy, reliable. You know, if there's some type of, uh, you know, some type of backdoor dealings going on, you know, people catch wind of that. The internet's a vast place. You know, there's information all over the place. We would have every opportunity to take our, our money to a, another uh, firm or, or entity, you know, so. Yeah, and I, honestly, we need more like James O'Keefe type people out there that are willing to stick their neck out and go and expose people because it's not going to be done by any mainstream journalists. I mean, unless you're a muckraking journalist, I don't know if you're familiar with Whitney Webb. Oh, yeah. um she oh, does yeah. a lot of good work and yep. but i but also like i don't know about her trustworthiness or her veracity i've never met her so that's like you can only trust as much as you're willing to believe no matter what you know i mean i think that there's so many different options for you to choose what you to believe now you can just pick well, your own sure. fantasy sure and that's why we allow you know logic reason evidence to guide us you know well in, uh, we used to in court, but now we just try cases on memes <laughs> sure well again you know it comes back to intellectual integrity because of course those things could be bastardized but uh people who do value logic reason evidence philosophy you know there are there is information there are the blueprints out there as to where to go and james o'keefe you know that's great project veritas i, I love those guys but without an actual blueprint towards the path to freedom, to a free society, we're just going to be spinning our own wheels. And that kind of goes along with the whole, you know, we need a revolution. We need a revolution. Well, what's a revolution? It's a spin 180 degrees back to exactly where you were. We don't need a revolution. We need evolution. We need people to actually start taking this seriously, educating themselves, taking a look at what it needs, what we need to actually evolve and be free and to have accountability in society. And I, I don't think there's enough people who are actually doing that. There's a lot of people who are angry, sure. There's a lot of people who are exposing the misdeeds, the corruption, sure. How many people are actually talking about the path forward? Very few. And, and there's very, you know, there, there's not much demand for it as well. Well, that's a, that's a great me. point. That is a great point because like in my second episode, I did one on just how I would fix America. And it was like, <laughs> I think my main nine points were like, uh, cap capitalism. So you make less greedy people, less incentives to fuck people over and bribe them. And then you could make it a quasi blockchain accountability capitalistic system. Yeah, I'm all for blockchain. I, I'm not for a centralized authority telling me how much money I can make. And I think, well, yeah, we've got to audit again. and get rid of the Fed and the central bank, which is the main <laughs> octopus behind all of this. And uh, or just the idea that there is some kind of top-down system of central planners that actually know what's best for society. And 
I was the guy like I was in eighth grade when 9-11 happened and I was already questioning school. I hate I, I, I was really good at school, so I had good grades, but I hated the teachers and like the fact that they thought they knew more than me. If I went home and did my own research, I would come back and question them and they just hated me, but also like <laughs> loved me as a student because no other student was doing that. Sure. And I was just that annoying kid that would challenge them always. And they, my parents would say, your son's, you know, they, they'd say, hey, your, your kid's a straight A student, but he's really kind of a dick to me. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that I just carried that. So I saw, you know, the towers fall down in English class and I was 12. And the first thing I remember about 9-11 is all of the Arab students got yanked out of school immediately. And for some reason, that just always stuck with me. And why, you know, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? But that was the very first thing that happened. And I got home and I was like, got on GeoCity web forums, of course. And I'm like, why <laughs> the fuck are the, is the news only talking about this? And it was for like a year. It was sort of like this. And we had the Operation Dark Winter anthrax scare that happened right after it. And yep. and then George Bush comes out and is like, we're going to bomb Iraq. Just go shopping. Fuck it. That's a, yeah, that, that's a brilliant summary, man. That's pretty much exactly what I remember as well. And uh, that was a turning point. You know, we were talking about our parents, America, that, that was the turning point was 9-11. And uh, the, the continuity of policies put in place by presidents since Bush has been all the same, including Trump, you know, who was supposed to be the great patriot savior. But no, if, if you look at all these things, you know, the Patriot Act, even Trump re-signed the Patriot Act, you go down the line and they're, none of them are different. And that, that's exactly the problem is you can't have any type of faith in these people. They're all puppets. The institution itself is broken. It's, yeah, I think you know, that they're, they're part of an aristocracy that's been around for a long time and now people are just getting wise to it. And so they have to make sure that people don't get wise to it. All right. But the fact is that already people see it. So you're not going to unchange their minds now. Like how do they're we- They're trying. Like, oh yeah, they're trying. And that's the thing is that if they come in over the top and just censor- everything that they don't like in the next few months, then people will ditch social media, I think, and get the fuck off their phones. So it might honestly be a blessing in, in disguise and get us back to living, you know, outside of the virtual digital uh, anger zone. Yeah, I, I've seen that, um, you know, it, it already happened, I would say, uh, after the whole election debacle, you know, I would say most Trump supporters left the big tech platforms, you know, they splintered off onto uh, Gab, MeWe, Parler. Oh my uh, God. Telegram. Yeah. No, my future mother-in-law was very upset that her Parler account got canceled. <laughs> yeah, that... <laughs> and you know, that's so funny though, because it's like people like them, they're old school, you know, older Republicans. And it doesn't matter if Ted Cruz wants to spring break in Cancun during an ice storm, he, like they're going to vote for him because he's better than Beto, you know, which is a Democrat. So as sure. long as they keep dividing and conquering us with the same politicians that belong to the same aristocracy, even though they might have different titles next to their names, it, I, I've been a thorough advocate that people aren't going to do shit until they understand that it's the same people at the top. Yes, yes, yes and no, because uh, I would, I would say I would wager that a lot of these people who are statists, the hardcore cult members of statism who refuse to, yeah, look at other perspectives or opinions. I would say the majority of them are in some of the older 
um, age groups. I would say a majority of them are probably boomers. So it, 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 here's the punchline is that, you know, I hate to say it, but in 20 years, a lot of those people are going to be gone. So guess who's going to be filling that, that Us. void? And it's, it's time for yes. good new, fresh ideas to like completely revolutionize the system, in my opinion, because it's not yes. going to be laid out for us. There is no savior coming for us. Okay. And everyone that thought Trump was it, obviously they now understand that it wasn't and that it's just more business as usual. The, the swamp got swampier with him. Yep. And, you know, instead of going to lobbyists, the lobbyists went to his family. And so then he became like, he was stacking money his entire time because he knew, I, I don't know what his true intentions were, honestly, but I mean, I just see it and that he's like, you know, this is a fraud. And then, and then he just leaves and he starts his own thing and he just keeps asking people for money. Yeah. And Here's another one too, is that majority of Trump supporters, I mean, I see this all the time on our pages. Anytime we have an anti-war post that involves Trump, who did Trump bomb? Are you kidding me? Okay, so let's break it down. Trump dropped 73,000 bombs in four years. In comparison, Obama dropped 100,000 bombs in eight years. Trump had a 330% increase in civilian deaths. 330% increase. And yeah, he dropped more bombs on Syria than Obama did. So these people are clueless. You know, they're absolutely, I mean, they go into their own echo chambers. They plug their ears to any type of information that's contrary. And uh, they believe what they want to believe, you know, and I'm not going to say it's only Trump supporters because there's plenty of people like that on the left. And uh, again, you know, it's this this cult of statism. That and, but here's the thing, though, and here's where I think the opportunity is for the for the blueprint is that there's a large chunk of people that aren't on either side that just yes. want someone who's going to stand up and say, "I will work for the people and not myself." Yeah, yeah. Well, yes and no. I mean, uh, I guess you could say that Andrew Yang was kind of that person, you know, but because yeah, but then he fell in line. The only person I found that that's consistently bucked the mold, the Democrat that I like is Tulsi Gabbard because she sure was, she's the only one that's actually had any sort of, I guess, bravery in this whole thing. I mean, it's been, she's calling out the corruption that, you know, she would have been an otherwise fine candidate. And we go back and we remember how Joe Biden became the candidate. That was shady as hell too. And how, you know, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie, all these people are gaining traction. And all of a sudden they just fall in line and now they're all sitting on his cabinet. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, that's kind of how it works, you know, um, even. Yeah, I know. I know. Kamala it's how Harris it works on both Biden. sides, but it's like, you know, you've got it's it's the two sides of the same coin at this point, yes. in my opinion. Yes, absolutely. And I think the sooner more people realize that, the better. And uh, it's almost unbelievable that more people haven't realized that at this point i mean well we i think really they're starting to, not... to honestly now that they're sure. still trying to continue out the pandemic even people that were staying at home and scared are are hitting me up and being like this is stupid so why you know if if we're getting to the vaccine do we have to still wear a mask and stay inside and we can't go anywhere like what's the fucking point of getting it Jason, you made a great point. You know, those people who are still on the fence, those people who haven't taken a team or a side for their political identity, those are exactly the people that the Free Thought Project tries to target and tries to give the, the counterintuitive information, the, the non-establishment approved narratives, because look, those people are the future. Those people are the only hope to actually making some change. 
anybody who's already embedded into a political ideology tend to be dogmatic, you know, and they have no incentive to try to uh, very uh, to get out of that out of that mindset. So, so maybe um, the world needs a little bit of empathy. How do we all get there? Yes, sir. No, I, I agree. Um, I think that empathy comes from just understanding, hey, maybe you don't have all the answers. Maybe you don't have it all figured out. Hey, maybe somebody else has a perspective that you haven't heard. Maybe somebody has been adversely affected by some of these government policies. Maybe we should hear them out. They are human. They are a person. They have feelings. They have thoughts. They have family. Why not? Here's give the thing, though, is that they spent the last four years demonizing everyone that was like that. And yeah. yeah. It's been a great setup for this. I honestly think that if it, it if it was planned, it's it's brilliant because now they've created a, a topic that will forever divide people because you can't undo a vaccine. And it, the people that are, in my opinion, that are still receiving it, like the, the full scale trials aren't even done until 2023. So I don't know if people are still like technically part of the trial if they get it now because the, the one major concern i had was that there's zero legal liability if they say that it's completely safe and effective they should put their money where their mouth is and allow themselves to be sued but congress immediately just gave them incentive to do this by giving them a shield yeah there, there's literally so many problems with this rollout man i mean uh we, we probably have to spend a whole other show oh yeah talking man. about <laughs> it <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you go, brother. But thank you. I, uh, man, I cannot uh, thank you enough for your time, Jason. It's been, that was a quick hour, but uh, we covered a lot there. And I think that if there's people that are on the fence that listen to this, maybe they'll um, hopefully, you know, look into doing their own research. Cause like I, like I say, I didn't start any of this to tell people that this was going to happen or be some sort of profit. It was simply sure. to be like, here's an alternative, man. Sure. That's the best we could do. That's the best we could do is plant those seeds and let them grow their own tree of information Absolutely. and knowledge. Thank you, but, Jason, uh, so much. Yeah. I, uh, where can the people follow you and, and get your information? So the free Otherwise we're on, uh, actually 15 other social media platforms, all the major platforms, the free thought project or police, the police. Uh, I'm personally, on uh, Twitter, on Telegram, MeWe, uh, any of those work. We also have a podcast you guys could check out. Um, oh, what's the name of your to, podcast? Uh, the Free Thought Project podcast, pretty straightforward. But uh, I think, yeah, we've, we've had tons of great guests on there. And do you, uh, Real quickly, do you have any plans if they try and censor you again to go to subscription model or do anything like that? Yeah, well, we already have a su subscription uh, option on our website, but we've really, uh, you know, decentralized <laughs> on uh, <laughs> these different social media platforms. So there's no chance that they're going to be able to take us down completely. Um, but, you know, we've been taken down so many times on the big platforms that it, it barely yeah. registers anymore, you know. Well, keep up the good fight, man. We really appreciate your time and your effort and your critical thinking skills. I'm happy to have spoken with someone who is willing to ask questions. So I, I just can't thank you enough for your time. I'm glad we got to do this and I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, we'll keep up the good work and uh, let's do it again. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Thanks a lot. All right, brother. Enjoy the day. Talk soon. This is something that I've just kind of seen coming, but they just silenced Rogan or they're going to censor him or remove his episode for 
telling 21 year olds not to get the vaccine if they're healthy, which just goes ahead and shows me that they have to bring down the internet censorship for any of this plan to work. So I can't imagine that any sort of conspiracy theory podcasts or anything that discusses the vaccine or anything that has to do with the pandemic is going to be allowed to be discussed without some sort of government intervention here in the next, I'd say by the end of the year, probably it has to be pretty quick because unfortunately people are starting to see through a bunch of the things I've been yelling for a year, but it is now gotten to the point where if you have tried your best to just keep your head down and work from home and you don't have to take a side, uh, yeah, man, unfortunately you're going to just need to um, make a choice because un unfortunately the government is forcing every single person to pick a side on this and I don't agree with that, but it's where we are and it's just brought this entire thing to me to light, you know, just the fact that we've politicized something that is a, a pandemic, right? Like if it, if we are supposed to believe that there is something going around and there are people dying and we don't know what it is, but we have to trust one authoritative juncture to give us all of our information, then we're beholden to that one particular government authority, which then leads to all of the other subfactory outlets and modicums of information like the mainstream media, which is owned by six corporations. So the point of what me and Jason talked about today was kind of just how the fact that they are trying to discourage anybody from having an alternative viewpoint on this is very alarming in an American society because this country was built on being able to say whatever you want and to have ideas that people don't necessarily have to listen to, but you're still allowed to say them. And these big tech corporations have taken it upon themselves to be the policers of correct thought. And the testament to that is that I was a post of mine on Instagram was removed simply for posting statistics from the uh, VAERS, which is the Vaccine Adverse Reactions website. And that showed me right there that this is the plan, man. They can't succeed with anybody questioning this at this point because they have to get everyone to want to get to the vaccine or this entire experiment fails. And it seems to me that we are reaching the point where supply outweighs demand and that the vast majority of people who have already made up their minds are not going to change them. So that means that if they didn't get the correct amount of people on their train to join the herd, that they're going to have to perpetually keep this thing going, which is why they, I am presuming they're still making people that get vaccinated wear masks and stay outside or stay inside and uh distance and it's just it's so sad to see the people that have actually just gotten the vaccine and they're reaching they're, they're getting pissed off because they're like why the fuck did i get this thing if if it's not going to change a single thing that i've done in my life and it's it's sad because it's like jumping into the ocean with your phone in your pocket you know i mean you're in it you, you, your phone ain't gonna work anymore and 
it doesn't matter what you try and do, you know, you're stuck in that situation. But the problem is the phone is your health and you can't buy a new one. So, I mean, that's the thing guys, is that anyone who is like having buyer's remorse from any, from maybe going out and getting it and then they had an adverse reaction. Well, like, honestly, I'm sorry. You didn't do your own research. You trusted the experts. And honestly, guys, if this thing goes sour, the media organizations and everyone who we have been touting as experts needs to be legally liable for all damages that occur, any and all damages that occur to anybody because they are then complicit in something nefarious. And I mean, it's just, it's so sad to see. I've already had two people reach out to me and tell me that they've lost someone because they were completely otherwise healthy and they did what they were supposed to do and then they cost them their lives. And that will never be allowed to, you know, the cause of death, of course, will be natural causes. And there are, there's not going to be any media coverage about you getting fucked up if you do. Okay. And that's just the sad reality that you need to accept. Any and all negative anything having to do with this issue will be suppressed and if that's the case you should maybe start wondering why so for the last like couple of weeks i've been trying to be less angry about the actual things going on to be more empathetic and understanding as to the people who continue to push the talking points and this includes a lot of my friends right so i have approached it more from like an understanding of why people feel differently about this issue. And it, for me came down to the fact that, and this, Jason touched on this in the interview is that people are just angry. They're angry for a multitude of reasons. And most of us aren't really focusing attention on what we are needing. We're just focusing our attention on distractions and like to fully express anger requires like full consciousness of of our need and anger co-ops our energy by directing it toward punishing people rather than meeting our own needs. So I was realizing that I wasn't getting my message across to people who weren't disagreeing, who, who were necessarily disagreeing with me because of the way in which I was communicating. And once I figured out that it was having to do with my own anger, I think I started to get a general understanding of why we are at this divide um, because like here's the thing is that you can yell statistics back and forth at each other but when you call someone a liar you're really working against your own needs being met since any judgment of another person diminishes the likelihood of our needs actually being fulfilled so if we approach people from the view like we can't we got to stop acting and judging people as liars um, because you're contributing to a self-fulfilling prophecy if you do that because then you're saying that you could never be a liar and that you, why would people want to tell the truth knowing they will be judged and punished for doing so? I mean, it's a rare human being who can maintain focus on our needs when we are expressing them through images of their wrongness and of course, you know, we may be successful in using such judgments to intimidate people into meeting our needs, but if they feel so frightened, guilty, or ashamed that they change their behavior, we may come to believe that it's possible to quote-unquote win by telling people what's wrong with them. 
and that each time our needs are being met in this way, we not only lose, but we have contributed very tangibly to the violence that persists on this planet. And we may have solved an immediate problem, but we will have created another one. And the more people hear blame and judgment, the more defensive and aggressive they become, and the less they will care about our needs in the future. So even if our present need is met in the sense that people do what we want, we will pay for it later. And that's what people don't understand about anger is that when we are making all of our decisions based on fear or anger, but not out of empathy or love, we are setting ourselves up for a permanent segregation of society. Sadly, if that is the mindset that persists, these people are the reason that we cannot go back to normal because they won't do what you did. You need to be angry at them and then they will change their minds. And that is like what I'm seeing as the tactic. And unfortunately, I see it failing miserably, especially in this country. So guys, you know, you can tell me I'm a fucking moron, but I agree with you. I am literally just a comedian who was forced out of uh, a job, which I you know, it's still closed in any county that's uh, run by Democrats. So unfortunately, it's just the sad nature of the reality of some people finding themselves in a situation where they are sick of being told what they can and can't do, why they can't earn money, because it's in their best interest, and they're pissed off about it. But while you can be and are entitled to be pissed off about it, I would encourage people that may have lost everything and that are completely against all of the precautions and lockdowns and the, you know, Fauci messiah shit to also understand that the people that absolutely bought into all of it are human beings as well and they deserve our love and respect and that there shouldn't be some like calling for you know the extermination of your own fucking citizens ever over the fact that they didn't want to make the same medical decisions that you did and until people understand that they aren't going to change their minds no matter how much shit you throw at them or how much you threaten them or how much you gaslight them they will be the ones silently just smirking at you because they know that you are lost but in the process you can be brought back if you choose to consciously see that you have been manipulated and that you have been coerced usually through money okay guys so it's simply a matter of perspective. You don't need to believe anything I have to say. I encourage you not to. It is nonsense. And honestly, it's just a way for me to have some fun during all of this. But at the end of the day, it's not fun when we can't go back to normal life because of politics. And so it isn't funny anymore. It's simply just sad. And the longer that people continually don't speak up, don't take a side, and you wait, and you wait, and you don't want to ruffle any feathers on either side, the longer you act like that, which is about 80% of you, the longer that you don't say anything, the longer that you don't talk about this with people, the more it will eat you alive. I promise you. I'll be back again soon. I'm working on setting this show up to be a legitimate production. I'm in the market. Uh, I love you, Azim, um, but he is completely over his head with school. So I am shopping for a young, sprightly producer who knows social media. If you know anyone, uh, have him hit me up. I'm happy to pay them. 
And also, we will probably be moving to a subscription service because I just know that the hammer is coming down from Spotify, Amazon, Google. Uh, it's all about to just be the worst. So if people want to explore alternative uh, media, they're going to have to pay for it. And probably by the end of the year, I'm, I'm venturing because they're not going to allow stuff like this to go on. And if they don't, great, you know, but it's just at this point, it just doesn't make any sense for them to allow any discourse uh, that doesn't suit the agenda. But guys, I will either be, I don't know about Patreon. They're already starting to ban people. I'm looking for something that, you know, I can just say whatever the fuck I want and I don't need to be like censor myself at all which i have the entire fucking time so i would love to be able to fully express what the fuck i think is going on but unfortunately it's just a such a tight line in this day and age of what you can and can't say and i mean it's truly v for vendetta shit it's sad but it is what it is so we're looking at a couple of platforms maybe rockfin i'm not sure yet but we will have more information on that we'll also have some merch coming out soon love you guys and i cannot wait to be canceled